This is Uptown Films, a podcast made to elevate the cinema culture in Uptown New York. If you're looking to establish yourself in the industry, we've got stories, tips, and life lessons for filmmakers working above 125th Street. I'm Gregory Hernandez. And I'm Sophie Yu, and today we're chatting with Athena Cologne, actor and acting coach from New York City. Athena started acting in theater, performing at the Henry Street Settlement and the Puerto Rican Traveling Theater. She's since been in front of the camera on Jessica Jones, Law and Order, The Children of Hip Hop, and more. Athena's also been an educator for many years, helping aspiring actors reach their goals, both in craft and in business. This week, listen in for the stampede of pelican cases for Quentin Tarantino's last film. Welcome to Uptown New York. Hey, Greg. Tell me this advice that you have for me. I was about to like scream, Sophie! And then like, you like, told me advice. I'm like, oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. <clears throat> Sophie! Yeah. Uh, so the advice I have, because uh, we were talking about, like if if you're in a relationship, if you're, if you're a filmmaker and you're in a relationship with another filmmaker, mm-hmm. it, it, it makes sense and it might be inevitable that the two of you just have your own company together, your own LLC. Mm-hmm. So then when you're making your films, okay, there you go. You're, you have that organized in terms of, you know, bookkeeping, you know, not, you know, co-mingling funds, mm-hmm. having, you mm-hmm. know, the funds for your, your business. Or if you start a nonprofit or you, you know, you get fiscal sponsorship as artists, mm-hmm. just something where you're able to organize your funding, you know, whether it's another savings account, but just understanding that it is a business. You know, if you just mm-hmm. want to make films for the sake of making them and hobbies and, and, and things of that nature, like, hey, I, I, I want to make this for my reel or I just enjoy making it, it's fine. But if you are looking to get a return on your investment, you know, you technically could create an LLC for each movie mm-hmm. uh, to streamline it that way. Um, even, as, even if you're running a production company, you can, you know, file the paperwork for each film. Um, but, you know, it, it ultimately it comes down to what you want to do. I'm just saying, like, if you're in a long-term relationship and obviously if you're like, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to settle down, we're going to get married and we're going to, this is my life partner, mm-hmm. or I think it is. It's something I just think people in general should do uh, really for the basic point of making things easier. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's also adorable. It's like, yeah, we have our company <laughs> and we make films and we're married. Like, yeah, like, that's amazing. Like, yeah, like it's, and my cat wants to leave now. <laughs> I think because it's dark in here, she's like, "What's yeah. going on?" There's, a, there's really a storm coming. There's a storm coming, Mister <laughs> Wayne. You better, you better batten down the hatches. <laughs> Can you do Bane? Oh, you think dark? <laughs> you think darkness is your ally? You merely adopted the darkness. I was born in the dark. Molded by it. <laughs> by the time I saw the light, it was blinding. Oh God. Uh, I do have one thing I'd like to share, and in terms of resources, this is kind of like a twofer. Mm. If you're learning, if you're looking to learn, like Adobe Premiere, After Effects, you know, Photoshop, Illustrator, or just the, the Adobe Creative Cloud Suite, get a library card. Mm. and if you don't have a computer, go to your library, mm-hmm. and with your library card, you now have free access to lynda.com. 
which mm-hmm. is a robust mm-hmm. resource that has a ton of tutorials and classes mm-hmm. and things of that nature. It's it's Skillshare for free. Mm-hmm. And it, it was there before Skillshare. And that's how I began to learn. Uh, that's how I learned Microsoft Excel. That's how I learned, uh, you know, Premiere. That's how I learned Final Cut. Uh, that's how I started to get into After Effects. And I was like, oh, man, I'll pay somebody <laughs> else. And it's free. Who doesn't love free? Yeah. Free. Go to your library if you don't have a computer. Like, there you go. And I guess the second resource would be uh, MixKit, which is a terrific source that has free assets for your video usage. Uh, like, I have stuff I want to show you that we can, in the, in the near future, reform or uh, revise the post-production Bible for my company in terms of the steps Mm -hmm. when I bring on a new editor. Mm -hmm. They know exactly what to do. And it has um, motion graphics, templates, titles, you know, uh, templates for Premiere, transitions, Mm -hmm. things of that nature that are so useful that can really, you know, really provide extra oomph or juice up your... you know, your, uh, your video capabilities and your deliverables, especially if you're doing stuff on YouTube, uh, Instagram, TikTok. So lynda.com, free with your library, library card, and uh, MixKit, free. Also, if you're a student, uh, even if you're not a film student, you can generally have access to, you know, those softwares are on most computers on campus. Um, you can usually talk to your film department and get access to even like microphones and things like that. Start your own podcast. Um, uh, cause I don't know if the library has like any of the Adobe suite or anything like I that. I don't think so, but it's definitely yeah. something I want to talk to them about. Exactly. Yeah. They should get that. But even if, even not, most people do have some sort of affiliation to a school, whether they're a teacher, they know a teacher, they know a student. Yeah. So, you know, just get that resource. Yeah, it's so great you bring that up. Quick story, which, yeah, I'll, sh- I'll share. Uh, a good buddy of mine who happens to work at HBO now, I got Final Cut from him. He was a film student. I wasn't. Mm-hmm. So when I started getting into, like, editing in, like, 2014, 20, yeah, 2014, 2015, he was like, oh, do you want Final Cut? I was, yeah. like, I was like, oh, I don't, oh, I don't have, like, three or 400 whatever, $400 or whatever to buy mm-hmm. it right now. He's like, oh, no, I, I stole it from school. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I was like, you gotta like, you know, come on. You know, he like ripped it, learned Final Cut seven and he also had Final Cut ten and I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's uh, you know, first thing I got was a stolen resource, but a resource. Awesome. All right, so let's get started. We like to kick off each talk with a question for our guests, and I have this one. What is a role from your childhood that you wish you could do now? Ooh, juicy, delicious. I love it. Um, <laughs> a role from my childhood that I wish I could do now. Man. So I started acting when I was about 10. Mm. Like you're talking about a lot of roles. And I'm thinking, I'm going through like the Rolodex of like, you know what? I was in a production called, um, the Minotaur, and it was down in Henry Street Settlement in the LES. 
And Henry Street Settlement, they had a program called Urban Youth Theater. Now, they still have this program. This program still runs. But back in the day, (laughs) we used to do um, original productions. And this one was based on the Minotaur, which was based, obviously, the Minotaur and the Greeks. And I played a princess called Ariadne. And so it was all about the labyrinth and the minotaur and the minotaur happened to be my brother. And it was very tragic as most Greek plays are. Um, There was singing, there was dancing. Actually, if you're a fan of dance, the Rocksteady crew, which we all know is from the Boogie Down, they uh, choreographed our piece. So Pop Master Fable, Crazy Legs, like these cats were actually teaching us authentic hip hop choreography that we used in the show. New York Times came and reviewed us. Um, I know, we were like 14, like what are we doing? That's crazy. Um, I would do that in a heartbeat. Okay. That one's badass, yes. (laughs) You know, just to start off, do you wanna tell us a little bit about how you got into acting? Surely. So you answered (laughs) the bug bit (laughs) around 10. I was 10 years old. I went to an all girl uh, Catholic high school. But before that, I went to a Catholic elementary school and we didn't have much art. Mm -hmm. Let's be out of religion class and going to church. There was nothing else. We had gym, but that, you know, I didn't know anything about art until a woman came in and we did a play based off, based off of a, a Bible, mm-hmm. um, Bible story. Mm-hmm. And I went, I auditioned for this role. I got the role. We did the play. And I said, when and how can I keep doing this? Mm. So if you know anything about like Catholic school systems, our workload and homework load is obscene. It doesn't even make sense for a child. Those book bags used to be so heavy. Honey, I still have hunched shoulders because of it. Like I don't even walk straight because of it. My book bag weighed more than me. And I commuted two hours to school. My school was on 43rd between 8th and 9th in Hell's Kitchen. And I lived borderline Long Island at the time. Talk about a child getting up and getting out of the door by 6.30 a.m. to get to the schoolyard by 7.45, 8. Yeah. Anywho's. I guess it prepared um, you for acting, right? I mean. Those early yeah. sets. Now I'm like, in my contract, I don't carry things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't carry heavy loads. No, but it does. That commitment to wake up early, mm-hmm. get to work, do the thing. My discipline is, is a little bananas when it comes to the work because I appreciate the work and I love the work. Um, but anyway, yeah, I was 10 and, and fortunately for me, I had a very, I still have a very supportive mom who was like, we got to get you into classes. So I took classes at City Lights Youth Theater, which was a part of Carnegie Hall at the time. And then from there, I found Henry Street Settlement, Urban Youth Theater. And then from there, you know, you just, it's interesting. You just say yes to one opportunity. You build a network there. And even as a child, I was doing this. And then you you realize there's a whole other community ready for you. Mm. You think, I'm not ready to do this. I don't know. You don't have to be ready. You just have to decide you want to do that one thing. And then the doors slowly begin to open so because of my collaborations with those programs in the city i ended up working for intar theater the puerto rican traveling theater and i was one of the youngest cast because you know there wasn't a lot of kids doing this at the time and then you realize i don't know it's just cool here we are like almost oh my god how many years has it been jesus 26 years later just realizing like i'm still doing it 
Speaking of, so I took a look at your resume. It says that you follow direction well. Yes. What does that mean to you? Oh, goodness. Maybe I have to update that. No. <laughs> um, well, so, oh, goodness. When I was coming from theater, transitioning from theater into film, more film and TV, because I still audition and I still perform theatrically. Um, one of the things that I was complimented on on several occasions on several sets was that I was willing to be flexible. You know, a lot of folks, um, especially with film, because in theater, we have a process that feels much more fluid. We have a long rehearsal process. People get to dive into different choices. And then we kind of set things for opening night or for previews and then the run. And I find sometimes even as a co when I'm coaching an actor, their commitment to the way they need to say something for film and TV is almost rigid. And it doesn't allow for that beautiful flexibility and co-collaboration that you want on a set. Um, and many, many times, like, I'll come in, yes, with an idea, you know, I, I'm prepared. But then they're like, you know what, let's do, let's do something different. This happens a lot on comedic sets as well. Mm -hmm. They're looking for the improv. They're yeah. looking for mm -hmm. you to stay on your toes. Because sometimes magic happens that way. Um, and yeah, so for me, staying flexible is I'm coming in with a strong point of view, but I'm also going to be open and receptive to all the other variations of this scene if needed. As like a producer, I guess, director, writer as well, filmmaker. It's like when I hear that, I'm like, that's who we're casting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but let's talk about that because that's deep, right? Because I, I often hear that from filmmakers where they're like, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. And for me, it's that co-collaboration. Exactly. It's, it is more theatrical than I think a lot of young or novice actors allow themselves. I'm like, no, you come in prepared, but you also contribute, you know, and having that because the director on set is busy, y'all. Yeah. They're busy. They don't have time to coach you. They yeah. are managing <laughs> lights and sound and budget and anything else that comes down and is like, they have so many other things to do. And so I really like encourage actors, be as prepared as possible. Get on that set, um, feel good about being there, but also feel like you have something to contribute. Be prepared with some ideas because I love collaborating with actors. It's like, what are you seeing here? It's like, I liken it to sports. It's like, hey, what are you seeing here? Maybe I'm seeing something different. What do you think? Yeah, I'm thinking this. Like, hey, let's try it this way. Take four. Try it yeah. this way. You know, you know, get, get, you know, here's one thing that I, because I, I used to act and then, got behind the camera one thing that i remember my friend directing me in a movie he's like give me something greg and i was like what do you mean he's like this take give me something to give me something i'm looking for oh, some I'm, boy, i need something and, and like the yeah. vague how do you deal like with, with like some well, i guess well, i guess my question would be what advice would you have for directors who mm. are you know learning to work with actors what, what's one piece of advice or, or many that you could give to a newbie director working with maybe veteran actors or, or just or actors in general on set? That is such a good question. That is such, cause I've been on sets where I've had amazing directors and I'm like, I would love to work with this person again. And then I've been on set with directors that I met once in passing and I never saw them again because they're either hanging out in Video Village, which is when you're doing, you know, bigger productions or TV productions. What happens is, is there's Video Village and you usually collaborate with your first AD which is usually the one handling the actors on set. So I guess as a director, I would say build a strong team so that if you cannot get to your actor, which most times you can't as a director, because you're really thinking about the shot 
and you're probably talking to your DP, your director of photography, more often than not. I know when I'm on sets, they're like, they're glued together. And it's kind of magical, right, to see that. It's like in theater, for me, it's the assistant director and the director or the stage manager and how they're going back and forth. Um, so I would say to the director, build a strong team so that when you're busy directing, because you should be focused on that, you can have someone on your team run up and tell your actor a note, right? Hey, project more. Or we're going to try a variation on this. What I would say is, especially for, for the new directors, find actor language. Because I feel like language is what bridges communication, right? So yes. actors are working with tactics. They're working with, and if you don't know what a tactic is, is what a character does to get what they want. Mm. Right? And if you even Google right. tactics, mm -hmm. you're going to get a list of verbs. Action words. Acting is, act, is an action. It's a physical, emotional thing, right? We're trying to get to something, and there's usually obstacle in the way. So once you have that language, you have power. You can now talk to your actor, if you'd like, through action. You know what? I want you to seduce in this mm. one. I want you to flirt in this one. Um, I want you to, to be a little bit more coy. You know, mm. use language uh verbs because that's usually what we're aiming toward right another thing you can play with is just power dynamics who has higher status who has lower status incredible and this scene and it's, it's fun to i love opposition i love seeing opposition i love when we anticipate something as an audience and get something else so one of my joys is working with power dynamics so if an entire scene you've had the power if i was directing i might whisper let me, let me just see you have lower status, keep all your lines, keep the same intensity, just lower, choose one spot where you get a little bit more vulnerable just to see what else is there. So for my directors, arm yourself with some beautiful language, get into the head of the actor. And if you don't have the time to dedicate to that, hire a coach, mm. which is what I do on set, hire a coach to work with your actors. And I've done that as well. And it's fun. I'm not trying to impose my vision on the director's vision, right? Because they're directing. But I'm also hired to help the actor and rehearse the actors prior to them getting to a set. I, I love that answer. Yeah. So I <laughs> mm -hmm. love how you explained it so thoroughly and had like the jargon with the vocabulary. Because there are people listening to this, you know, for our listeners, if you've never made a film before, never been on a film set, you just learned so many like crucial terms, director, photography, first assistant director, all of those things. I just Video village. Video, Video village. village. Yeah, that was the one I was like, yes. Yeah. By the way, that's a privilege. You don't have it all the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Or now folks are working with iPads. Yeah. yeah. It's kind mm -hmm. of crazy. So now Video Village is mobile. Yeah. So only like producers, executive producers, maybe the script supervisor, like they, well, not the script supervisors usually on the script, but like these folks all have iPads and they're walking around set. It's bananas. Some people like them, some people don't. Uh, but I wanted to ask, because you, you said the operative word tactic, and sometimes that can be a double-edged sword because some actors can get stuck in their head mm. and then they're like tactic, they're thinking too much. And it's like, just go back to action. How do you... How do you work with actors when they get stuck in their heads? Oh, this is such a good question. Y'all are killing the game. Y'all are talking about all the things I love to talk about. Um, 
in my undergrad, I actually studied um, Suzuki theater, which is physical theater based in Japan. And we would do these really now excruciating like physical things to generate almost physically what we should be projecting emotionally. Now that sounds hella heady, but it was a really nice way to get out of my head and into my body. So when I approach character, sometimes I'm thinking about the physicality of the character. I am obsessed with nonverbal communication. I am obsessed with the way people communicate without words. Um, Joe Navarro wrote a book called What Everybody Is Saying, and he's a Cuban immigrant who like worked the ranks because he was he didn't understand English, but he could read body language. And that eventually gave way to him working for the CIA. And so he can tell you based off of like sitting across from someone in an interrogation if they're lying or not. And he goes, what do you think it is? Do you think it's their eyes? Do you think it's the way they're breathing or, you know, how, they, how they're moving their fingers? And so everyone gives these suggestions and it's actually their feet. <laughs> it's just so wow. weird. Anyway, That's I'm obsessed amazing. with that yeah. part. Um, but one of the things that I've learned is I grew up very analytical. I think as part of my education, I was, how do you prove your theory? How do you prove your theory? There's that logistical side to me, but you're right. That does not work on camera because there's a sense of humanness and messiness and imperfection that should be coming from your character. So how do you get there? For me is I have to do my prep like I would in anything for theater, film, TV, doesn't matter. I need to know who I am. Mm -hmm. I need to know who I'm talking to relationship not just like who i'm talking to oh the girl next door no do i like that girl next door how long has she lived there is she loud is she nice are we besties do we share groceries i don't know there has to be a strong relationship and then from there i'm asking myself the questions well what do i want and what's in my way mm. and so how do i capitalize on that right we start with what you know as an actor, right? So if you're analytical, I'm gonna go all the way deep, but then I'm gonna start asking you emotionally based questions. How do you feel about that? Um, why do you feel that way? Why does your character feel that way? Um, we get deeper. And then from there, I'm like, once you have that established, now trust it. You have to learn how to trust your process as an actor. Trust it. You did the work. You did the memorization. You, you understand the circumstances of the scene, not just play. And as a reader, as a coach, I will often read in different ways. So I'm also inviting you to have that versatility in your own work. I feel like the sound people are like the best when it comes to working with, with actors because we have to put on the lav mics. We're always with the Y'all actors. Y'all are mad intimate. We can always hear what you're saying. Like I love when you have the lav mic on and the actors are at lunch and you're like literally just listening Lord. to them eating. It's um yeah. Yeah, I feel like that connection is so nice. That's why yes. you should start a podcast. I have so. a funny story about that. Yeah, so yeah. I had a friend who was like, Okay, so people have been fired because of things they've said on Loves. Yeah. And I'm not just talking about your everyday actor. I'm talking about A-listers, you know, even some celebrities. We don't hear about it, but you know they got blacklisted because of what they said on the Love. So I had a friend who uh, had said something, and, and the sound person was like, 
you know we can hear you, right? And they were like, oh no. <laughs> so now when I have to go to the bathroom in between takes, but I still have like my lava on, I'm like, I'm going to the bathroom, turn this off, yeah. turn it off. And I'm like looking forward to turn it off. I'm like, you will not hear me peeing in this bathroom. Like it is a real, I love my sound people because they are literally, they get very close because usually the mic has to be hidden. So for women, it's usually under a bra or in between here or in the hair. Like there's, y'all are very creative. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. Where you get your your sound. But it, and it makes for great like uh, inside jokes between yes, the sound people and the true. actors. That's my favorite thing that happens like yes. over the course of a set. It's true. Uh, I wanted to ask um, any advice you would maybe have for actors now, maybe new actors when they're going through the proverbial auditions. Yeah. You are not working when you book. You are working all the time. Mm. Um, that has changed my trajectory as an actor, especially when I was transitioning into TV and film. There's this this thing that happens, and for those that are not actors, just just please know, like when you're approaching an actor, ask them how they are doing. Not what are you in? What have you been in? You know, that kind of pressure. Yeah. And we get it from our families a lot. So when I started doing TV and I was starting to get recognized in some of the roles that I was in, it was a never ending question. And what happens, it becomes daunting when you're not booking. And then there's that insecurity coming up of like, well, maybe I'm not an actor because I'm not booking. That's not true. That's never true. When you're working as an artist, you're working as an artist. So even when I'm prepping an audition, whether I book it or not, I'm working. That's work for me, right? So when I'm coaching, that is legit work for me, but there's it's just feeding my art. So find the ways that you can work as an actor. And that could be volunteering with a friend. That can be, I love, I encourage folks become a PA, a production assistant on mm -hmm. any set, just so you can become familiar with the language and the rhythm of sets. For new actors who've never been on TV and they wanna create a reel, right? And what is a reel? It's an opportunity for folks to see a compilation of your work on screen. Folks are always waiting for a job to create a reel. Create a demo reel. How do you do that? Well, you can write your own stuff and film it, or you could take your favorite TV show or your favorite character that you're like, damn, I could play that character. Damn, I could kill that character. And now for, for folks that are like people of color or BIPOC, we have more opportunities to see folks that look and sound like us on TV. Take some of those characters, make them your own, or even not. Take a show that has nothing to do with your racial or or identity and do that scene and recreate it another option is hit up columbia university master program hit up new york university's master's program you know why all those folks need to create thesis films mm -hmm. those films have to be completed no shade to my independent directors, but sometimes the project doesn't get complete and then the actor doesn't get the footage. And actors, if they're working for free, folks, get your footage. Okay, and this is me getting mama hen on you. <laughs> get your footage. NYU, uh, Columbia, AMDA, these folks all need to do a thesis film. It has to be completed. You will get footage. You can put that in a demo reel, put that on your socials, put that on your website, share it. Let people see what you look and sound like on camera. Uh, I, I guess my last question is, you said the industry has been changing. Yes. Uh, what advice do you have for actors that are looking to 
break into the industry now. Maybe if they're, they just finished college, like it's July now, maybe if they just finished college or things of that nature, newbie actors in the industry, any advice? I would just say, find your joy, find mm. what makes you happy. Start there. Don't think, Oh, I have to just go and get a job. You know, I, I had a, a really deep sense of lack self, you know, and, and I really struggled with self-worth graduating because I did not know where to go after graduation. I just, I wasn't sure and I was scared. I didn't want to do the cross migration and go all the way to LA. LA didn't feel right. I'm a New Yorker through and through and I knew that there was work for me in this city. Um, and I would just say, find your joy, even if that means it's outside of acting. Because when you're happy, when you're really happy, it just generates and you become a magnet for all the things that you want. I, sometimes I get my, you know, my best gigs come when I'm on vacation. <laughs> like I booked mm -hmm. my trip to Puerto Rico. I just got three major auditions. I'm like, of course, yeah. because I'm in a feel good state. I feel good. The work will follow, you know, and build community. Find your community, whether it's digitally, online, or if you can get involved uh, in person, build community and the doors will begin to open and build relationships. Mm -hmm. That's what I mean about build community, because the person that you're working with now, you know, you don't know in five or 10 years, they're producing or directing a big show and they're like, I remember you. Would you mind coming down in and working with me on this project? So it's it's nice. A lot of the folks that I've worked with 20 years ago, we're still in touch. That's Literally. Awesome. Listen, y'all, there are artists making art in the Bronx. Connect with those folks. I would I would slip into somebody's DMs and be like, do you need a PA? Do you need somebody to help you with that production? Because that's where you start opening doors for yourself. Well, what do you wish someone had said to you when you started, like you specifically? It's okay to take breaks. Mm. It's okay yeah. to rest. It's okay to recharge. Um, truthfully, y'all, my last TV gig was in 2018. Um, I had since then changed agencies. Um, then we had COVID. And then I emotionally could not commit to acting. I just needed to take a break. Uh, because of so many things that we had all over, you know, went through. Yet I was still networking. I was still uh, attending like premieres and things. And it, there's this moment where you start to miss your craft. Yeah. And I think that's a very telling moment. I had a professor in college go, you love acting so much? Great. Every year you're going to love it. And every year you're going to hate it. Mm -hmm. And when you hate it and you dismiss it, you're going to find a new reason to fall in love again. So I have fallen in and out of love with acting for years, 26 mm -hmm. to be counting. Mm -hmm. And every time I fall back in love with it, it's for a different reason. And now it's because of the nonverbal communication that I'm obsessed with that. Right. So I think it's okay to not be like, I'm working all the time or I don't have an agent. I hear that a lot from newer actors. I don't have an agent yet. So I'm not really an actor. Who says you have, Creating content is so easy now. You literally have a whole production on your cell phone. Like you can do it all. If TikTok's your jam and that brings you joy, do that. If YouTube's your jam, do that. If podcast is your jam, do that. If going on live is your jam, do that. Find your joy. The work will follow. Thank you so much. This conversation <laughs> has been so good, so informative, just amazing. 
Uh, what's next for you? Yeah. What do you want to plug? Yeah. Oh, what do I want to plug? I want to say the story about my father. Um, one thing, and I'm not bashful to share. My father was incarcerated from when I was seven until he passed when I was 24. So my father was incarcerated in the early 90s and in 2009 passed. I will say this. My father was a brilliant man. Um, raised me incredibly. I, I have to also say that my dad was more of a father to me than some young people I know who had their father physically in their home. So dad was always on my team, man. Dad taught me how to drive from the phone and, you know, all the things. I actually ended up filming at the correctional facility where he had unfortunately passed two years prior. Now, the correctional facility has since closed and a, 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 a studio bought it. And so now people film there. And I could not believe where I was ending up, like the synchronicity of the world working in your favor. And it actually, Alina Street, who oh, yeah, yeah. is a wonderful human being, but also a producer. Um, she's actually a producer of the Lesbian Bar Project that just got picked up for series. Um, she's working on that. And I met her at the Bronx Film 48 panel where she and I were speaking together. We've stood in touch. We just happened to have lunch. I happened to share some of the stories that my war stories, if you will, about having an, a father that gave me unconditional love, even though his circumstances were different than mine. And she wants to create a documentary around that story. So awesome. we're going to take that yeah. story and hopefully cultivate a small community of people like myself who were raised by loved ones behind bars. And what does that mean like for the life and the trajectory of somebody and where you can end up in life? Um, Cause there's a lot of misconceptions, but there's a lot of rich, beautiful stories about the visiting room and, and yes, the reality of systematic oppression, but how my father taught me so much about the world through his perspective. Um, so that's coming up. It's a documentary and, you know, maybe a short series, mm. you know, I just think, like I said, New York is so rich. I'm really invested. I'm a queer woman of color. And so I'm really invested in what does that look like? No shade to the L word, but when I was growing up, yo, we were not like living in these big ass houses and like, you know, like what is the trajectory of what it means to be queer in New York City now? So creating a small series around that. Amazing. Mm -hmm. I can't wait. Yeah, that's <laughs> I can't either. <laughs> this has been Uptown Films, a podcast that elevates the cinema culture for Uptown New York City. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at uptownfilms underscore pod. Thank you so much for listening and keep making films uptown. And this week, you should watch Garrett Bradley's 2020 film, Time.